Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the WNL Show. I am your host Aaron Clark and coming up in today's programme we'll be speaking with UCD Waves and Ireland International Karen Duggan who will discuss last weekend's dinner draw against Iceland at Tallis Stadium. The Kenny native will also discuss life at UCD, her aim for the remainder of the season as well as giving a glowing tribu- tribute to her teammate Julianne Russell who has left the club to head to Australia. Finally, the 2016 Three International Player of the Year will discuss her love for Kilkenny GAA and how Kilkenny Carroll became a soccer star. Also joining me on the programme will be Cork City Women's FC manager Frank Callagher, who will discuss his time at Cork City, the development of the club, and the progress they have made in the last couple of years. He will also discuss Amanda Budden's recent international call-up, as well as the signing of Claire Shine. If you would like to contact the show, or have any suggestions for our future episodes, please contact us on Twitter, at the WNL Show. Okay, so I'm joined at this time by UCD Waves, Karen Duggan. Karen, welcome to the show. Not too, not too bad yourself. I guess we'll start off with the Irish International last weekend. It was quite a mad conditions to say the least for yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the beginning of summer, you don't expect to be playing in torrential rain, um, thunder, and everything going on. So it made for really hard conditions for both teams. Um, I don't think it was ever going to be um, a real footballing show or a classic when you're you're up against conditions like that. But um, everyone fought against the conditions as well and we tried to put on as, as good a show as we could. If you look at the game though, it was great opposition to get in, it's a pity the weather didn't hold off isn't it? Yeah absolutely, I mean um, Iceland are kind of someone we could look to emulate, you know like a smaller country but they've they've reached a major tournament now so um, it would have nice been nice to see where we were in terms of like um, skill and and just things like that, but the the weather didn't really make for for that kind of game. So, but it, it, even so, I think it was a good test for for both teams. Um, uh, they were strong, like you know, they weren't afraid to put their put themselves about, and it was good for us to have to stand up to a team like that, um, especially in those conditions. Just being in the press box on Thursday evening, I remember speaking to someone just before the game when the, the little mascots were all holding up the UEFA flag. We were a bit worried that the game mightn't go ahead. Was there ever any concerns, especially when he's come out and seen the torrential downpours? Not really. Um, to be fair, in the past, maybe Tala would have struggled to put up with the conditions, but they've put serious work into the pitch, and it was in great condition for training the day before, and it actually held up quite well, all things considering. Now, I know there was a lot of surface water as, as the game went on, but I think that would have happened in the Aviva in those conditions, but um, the pitch was it was in really good nick, so I don't think we were ever worried or concerned about something like that. I think Iceland have come over, we were all very eager to play the game, so I don't think anyone was really worried. We're sitting here record. We're sitting here recording this on a Monday evening. Um, you just finished work after a late late night's work. Does the recent agreement with the FAI make it easier for you to commit to football now? Um, it does. Be, well, I think it gives us more of an incentive. You know, like we know that it's a big deal for the FAI to be giving us anything in terms of monetary kind of reimbursements and stuff like that. And we know we have to go out and earn it. Um. My work, they've been quite, they've been really understanding now, like I, I just took a week off work there and was allowed to concentrate solely on football, so I don't mind coming back um, doing doing a couple of late ones because they're quite good, like that. I can go to the gym on my lunch break and things like that, so um, they're, they're really understanding, but it does kind of add a little incentive now that we have that financial reimbursement, and I think and because of the media attention obviously that we attracted at the time, I think we do feel like we have more of a point to prove maybe just because there's more attention which is absolutely great like anytime we went out before we always wanted to win but now there might be that little bit extra interest which 
is a, an added bonus that came with the, the whole um, kind of situation that went on uh, a couple of months ago. Was it sad to see though that you got so much attention for the wrong reasons? Um, I think the, there was um, more positive feedback than any negative that we got. I think that we concentrated on all the positive feedback we got. We knew what we were standing for was was important for the women's game. I mean, it's for the people who will come after us that it's really going to, like the under-17s coming through when they make seniors, they'll never have to go do something like that again. They'll never have to go through that kind of... It was... It was public and it was it was scary at the time, but I think it was worthwhile just for the future of football. You say, speaking about the underage people are coming up, um, maybe if you look at even the weekend, you had a couple of them in the squad? Yeah, it was great. Um, Colin was bringing the girls in. Like He, he wants to develop the, the younger girls coming through. He wants to get them in early and, and let them get up to pace and um, let them know what it's like to be up at senior level because he knows that there's a lot of ambition Particularly within the younger groups, they've they've gotten to um, they've gotten to major tournaments, and they now they know coming through that there is the possibility to go and play professional football and earn a living from that. So um, it's great incentive to, to bring the girls in early, and they're a really talented bunch, and they did great in training. So um, it was great to have the likes of them involved, and it gives the rest of us a push. Like everyone's, there's always people snapping at your heels, so you have to be on the ball all the time. But it's mad to think like your people like Heather Payne and she thinks she's only 70 and still. But even yourself at 25, nearly 26, you're still quite young and still have quite a lot to offer. Yeah, it's mad. Like you nearly feel old. Like I just turned 26, but you feel very old. Like I, I qualified as a teacher four years ago. Like I could be teaching the likes of Heather and, and stuff like that. But um, So it does make you feel old, but um, there's still a, a good mix and there's good balance there. I mean... Like you say, 26 isn't that old. We've got um, people 28 and we've got people 18. Like So there is, there's a good mix of um, youth and experience at the moment. And hopefully, because um, you have to have the experience involved as well, the likes of your Neve Fahis, your Emma Burns, like it's great to have them to, to guide us through and um, to show us the ropes and show us what it takes to become a top footballer. So I think it's great, the mix that we have at the moment, and hopefully it'll um, bode well for us in the qualifiers. How have you found life under Colin Bell? Being a defensive midfielder, Earl have kept five clean sheets in six games. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the first things he said. Um, he's, his ethos, he says, you if you don't concede, you only have to score one. And I think we have the foundations of a very, very solid defence there, and I enjoy playing with that defensive role in midfield. It's my best position, so I'm happy to be involved in that role. And that's, like, clean sheets for me are are as good as scoring goals so um, I'm really enjoying it under Colin and hopefully now that we have that kind of solid foundation at the back um, we can start to, to think about what's next going forward and start to become maybe more creative in attack now that we, we've found kind of um, a way to like stop teams breaking us down we have that discipline there now so I think that will build on the defensive discipline and hopefully that will filter through into the attack now one thing I've noticed that is we've Ireland Ireland have started to cut out the silly mistakes as well. Yeah, I think a year or two years ago, nil all against Iceland in the last twenty minutes, you might have seen us make a silly mistake and concede a goal. Or even last um, qualifying campaign, we conceded early against Finland and we found it hard to to come back from that. So. Um, yeah, and as well, I think that's something to do with competition. Everyone is is 
like doesn't want to make mistakes. You really you're fighting for your place. You're fighting for everything, and it is a mentality thing. Like it's in our heads. We do not want to concede goals, and because we know how hard it is to to score in internationals. Like you're coming up against really experienced defenders, and um, we know that we're stacked in the backs, but it, we might be light in some areas going forward. So we know that it's so important for the de- defense to be performing to allow the, the flair players to go and do their thing up front the likes of Katie McCabe um, try and get her free give her license to go forward and she only gets that if we're doing our job at the back there was a big debate in the press box on Thursday evening um, they had to go off and get a, a casting vote the split was 3-3 between yourself and Katie McCabe for, man, for a player in a match you both stood out in the game but that shows like Katie can play in any sort of weather conditions can't she? absolutely I mean I think Katie's probably the most naturally talented footballer this country has produced. Like she's every match, she's she's turning on the flair. I think because she got man of the match in the last match, too. they're trying to even it out a bit. But she was phenomenal, and I thought Denise O'Sullivan was brilliant. Like for the limited amount of ball that was actually played on the ground, I thought she was brilliant. She was picking it up, getting into pockets and stuff like that. So I thought the two girls were magnificent for us as well. On um, last week, I think it was the type of game where. You, everyone just had to, to work hard and dig in and I suppose that's kind of a feature of my game is just hard work, putting yourself about and, and putting in the yards and stuff like that so it was kind of a game that would have suited me but even in saying that, like you say Katie McCabe, any weather conditions any pitch and it doesn't really matter against the opposition she's shown now consistency um, how good she is and on the ball and she, she's a, she is one of the best talents definitely in this country and, and probably at her age group in Europe before last November's game against the Basque Country, Sir Ireland's last home friendly, I don't think you would have played in a home interna- a home international friendly, would you? Have? Um, no, I actually can't remember the last time we played um, a home international friendly. So it was great to to get that chance and to get a game in front of a crowd at home. Like it's it's not often our, our family and friends get to come out and, and see us in that kind of environment. So it was it was great to get that game and. We've another good one against Scotland coming up, and that's away, but it's not too far to go either. So I think that's it's really good preparation that we we're going to have going into the first game for the qualifiers against Northern Ireland. Meeting up for the Scotland game would be the fourth time Ireland have met up this this season without a qualifier game. That wouldn't normally happen, and it's great to see that Colin is trying to get the girls in as much as possible, especially considering that the last World Cup camp at uh, last year World Cup campaign we pushed Russia and Germany so far, whereas the European campaign we wouldn't have been as happy with. So it's great to see that the girls are getting in as much as possible and getting the preparation ahead of the... It's a tough group, you must say. Yeah, it's a really tough group, and I think it is really important for us to, to all be meeting up. I mean, everyone is playing in different places. You don't. It's not like club level. You, it takes time to get in and to gel and to find your kind of identity as, as a national team. And the more we meet up, the more we're doing that. You can even see it met up four times this year and I think you could already say oh the women's Irish women's national team they're a strong defensive team they're they're good team spirit they're a good unit and I think it's nice to be able to meet up more often and kind of form that identity as a team and brings us all closer together and as well it's important when people are at different stages of their season to to be getting football in if they're out of season or if we're playing in the Irish women's national league to to get up to that international standard as, as much as possible and as often as possible as you can during the year so that you're ready for, for that kind of that step up when it comes to qualifiers. It's quite interesting that the Irish season has swapped to summer football and yet the English season has swapped back to winter football. I know, yeah. Um, it's 
one of those things, I guess, uh, we originally wanted to, to match up with the English League and, of course, we had so many problems in the Women's National League with pitches when we were in the Winter League. I mean, it caused so much disruption there a couple of years ago that I think it made sense for us to swap to a Summer League. Um, it's a pity that we're not synced up with the English League because I think it would help us all if we were all in, in the same uh, kind of season times and stuff like that. But it's just one of those things that happened to, to go one way or the other. Just looking at UCD Waves, did you expect to have a new club manager as well as a new international manager this season? Um, probably not. I mean, I've I've been with Eileen since my P days, since I first started in the Women's National League. So I kind of it was always part of my women's national career to, to do it with Eileen. So um, yeah, it was it was something different. I mean, Eileen wanted to do her own thing, and, and I'm happy for her. She seems like she's getting on great. Um, probably needed a break as well because she was at it for so long, but. It probably as well. It's no harm in freshening things up. I mean, for UCD, I think people keep expecting us to win a trophy, and we have the players to do so. Um, so a freshen up mightn't be any harm to us. It might be a shake up that we needed to get somewhere. Hopefully, we we do have ambitions to win a title of some sort this year. The league would be obviously the main one, but um, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, every club goes through a transition, so there's been a good few changes of managers. So it's one of those things we kind of took it in our stride. We're, we're willing to go through it, and everyone's happy enough now. I think. How have you found the transition to Noel Keeley? I know he he comes in with a different style to what Eileen would have played under. How have you found it? Yeah, no, it is different. I mean, um, Eileen is very much a set identity and stuff, but um, it's been great. He's really open to to all kind of ideas. I mean, we have a lot of younger girls coming through as well, so he's helping to develop those girls and. He has that experience coming from Kilkenny of coaching girls up to the standard of, of getting up to the top of the Women's National League, um, getting the girls, like, developing them while also um, using, say, the likes of Anya and myself, our kind of experience. And, and um, no, it's been good. I mean, uh, we're only a third of the way through the season, but we've had a couple that, like, mishaps along the way but I think that's to be expected I think a lot of teams are, are going to drop points um, randomly during the season um, but no so far so good anyway I would say the UC, the sorry, the Wexford slip up was probably more harder to take than the Galway game considering you were leading 3-1 in about the 80th minute yeah I mean it was nearly like since deja vu same thing happened us last year um, again it's silly, like we shouldn't be throwing away points like that at home and I think we were all fairly disgusted with ourselves coming off the pitch, having let that happen twice in two seasons. But we bounced back against them in the Shield and we we had some sort of redemption. Obviously, we preferred maybe for that to have happened in, in the league. Um, but we take every defeat kind of seriously. I mean, and we take it to heart. The same with Galway when they beat, beat us at home in the league. Um, we took that very hard as well because... We know we have it in us to to compete with every team, if not if not beat them. So anytime we drop points, we are disappointed. Um, so we tried to go out and beat Wexford in the Shield after and beat Galway in the Cup, but um, in the league is where we need to, to start picking up the points now. And hopefully, um, as we start into the next round of, of the the league, we'll be settled and we'll cut out those those stupid mistakes and just be more disciplined when we have that lead. You speak about the Shield, it could be a possibly better sweep um, Shield final for yourself, Anya O'Gorman, and possibly Dervla Byrne. 
I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Shield final is actually being scheduled for the week ending of the Ireland's first Irish qualifying campaign game, so the girls mightn't be available for selection. Um, oh, I didn't actually, uh, I didn't know that. Um, I'd hoped maybe that there'll be some sort of workaround if that's the case, um, but we'll have to see closer to the time. Um, it's obviously important that everyone is available for selection for that that game. So um, I, I'm sure that there'll be something happen at the time, but if not, we, we'll deal with it when, when the time comes. It was actually the same. It was actually the same reason why the Shelburne and Wexford Shield game was called off. Because Shelburne had seven girls with the under seven, under nineteens and weren't able to field. So it'd be quite disappointing if you get to a final and you can't play. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when we're so hungry to win some silverware uh, you want to be part of it um, if we can play it then I know the girls will do a great job uh, but obviously um, you want the best of both worlds and to be able to play every match so um, yeah no it, w- it is disappointing with clashes of fixtures and things like that I think that is something that the league as a whole or the fix- people making the fixtures need to look at I mean we want people in the women's national league on the international teams and, and not to be missing out on their club games either so um, I think there, there should be a workaround in that in the future if not this season it should definitely happen next season I don't think that there should ever be a clash or, or a reason um, for players missing club games because there's an international I think that it doesn't happen in other codes like in GAA you don't have club games the same day as county games so so I don't think that that should be the case On a sad note coming out of UCD in the last week or two it was announced that one player who you would have played with all the way along Julian Russell has left the, the, the team to travel to Australia must be disappointing to lose such a talent. Yeah, I think it's more of a personal thing for me. Like I, I've lived with Julianne for the last three years. We went to college together. We came up all the way from schools level up to senior level together. Um, we've been roommates all those years as well. And like, obviously, I'm gonna miss her on the pitch, but on a personal level, I'll, I'll miss her more because she's one of my best friends, and we've always had that relationship on and off the pitch. So. Um, like I'm completely happy for her. She deserves all the happiness in the world, and she's she's brave moving halfway across the world. But I, she'll make a success for herself wherever she goes. I think it's a huge loss to the league because I think it is a player that a lot of young girls look up to and aspire to be like. I mean, she's one of the most recognisable names and faces in in the, the country, especially in the women's national league, but also on the international team. I mean, she's been on the panel since she was 18 years old, so it's a huge loss. Um, obviously she's really sad to go and, and leave it all behind as well because she's put so much of herself into it over the years but she's ready to take on a new adventure and, and um, really really happy for her I'm going to miss her loads obviously though. I have to laugh um, I brought my sister to an Ireland game last November the Basque Country game and the one thing she asked for was a picture with Julianne Russell and when I told her Julianne was leaving she was disgusted with me for not for because she hadn't seen her once more time yeah no I was disappointed with like I would have been nice to, to do a send-off maybe, but at the same time, Julianne, she's only 26 as well, and who knows what the future will bring. Like she's, she's going to keep herself fit. She's going to play football in Australia as well, and, and who knows, maybe someday she'll come back again. Um, I know a lot of people would love to, love to see her in Irish jersey again, so um, we, won't, we won't be signing her off just yet anyway. Is it fair to say if this loss had come last season, it would have been slightly more difficult for the Wives to deal with in terms of squad depth? Whereas you spoke earlier about the younger girls coming through, maybe it's quite a little bit easier to replace her. Um, yeah, it's always going to be hard to replace her, but in terms of squad depth, I mean, there was games last year when we, we had 12 players or, and maybe two of them were goalkeepers, so 
um, yeah, we do. We've brought in great talents in, in, and it's really boosted us in training. You know, it makes all the difference having those numbers at training. I, I think whenever you don't, you're going to struggle if you're only getting seven or eight at training. It makes it difficult on the managers. It makes it difficult on the girls and morale and things like that. So it is great for us to, to have that bit extra depth and, and competition for places. I mean, there's a spot there available for someone and um, if they grab it by the hands, it could be theirs for the next number of years. So, um, yeah, I think this year we are in a better position. Uh, we've um, a few players coming back into the fold now, hopefully, and um, we're, we're, there's good competition for, for places. We've Derbler, obviously, on one wing and Jetta, so we have those attacking options down the flanks. It's a strong area for us, so we'd like to keep it that way. There was a lot of talk there recently of the possibility of bringing in an under-19s Women's National League. I would probably say we're not ready. What would your opinion be on that? Would we need a couple of more years of stability within the league before we can look at an underage structure? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, the under-19s at the moment, most of them are home-based, and I think that it, they do add a lot to the league, and I think it is great experience for them as well to be playing against... Um, the likes of the senior players and, and it's good competition for them week in week out maybe if you're only playing against your own age group you won't you won't get that chance to develop as much um i think if an under 17 league came in i think that that would that would be um that would be beneficial because i do think it's important for um development of girls so that you don't lose them along the way if there is a good under-17 structure, people are less likely to not lose interest, whereas if you have 17-year-olds up against 25-year-olds competing for a place and or you're playing against women every week and it gets very hard, you might start to lose interest. But if they're playing at their own age group, under-17 level, I think I think that would be really beneficial. I think at 18 and 19, especially in the women's game, if you are you tend to be strong enough or, or talented enough, I think that the under-19s are well able for the Women's National League structure as is, but I do think if you develop them from a younger age and keep more people interested and more people involved, I think the numbers then will start to grow and, and develop into the Senior Women's National League in that way. I think that that would be the best development route for them. I can't let you go without talking. I was doing some research on you earlier on, and I didn't realise you'd won an, an All-Ireland minor medal with Kilkenny at Camogie. Yeah, so I think um, you're kind of you're brought up with it um, if you're born from in Kilkenny. Yeah, so would have been playing camogie my whole life as well. Um, played under sixteen and, and minor uh, camogie. Um, wasn't when I tried to make the step up to senior. Then it was you, it, you need a lot of commitment and obviously soccer was my first love. So I went down that route and obviously that's paid dividends for me, but. Yeah, no, I had I had some great days in in my camogie days. I had I got to a club all around um, with Pilton as well. And we won that in Crow Park. That's still one of my favourite sporting memories. It probably is my favourite because um, you do it with the parish, you do it with all the girls that you grew up with from the time you were four. So I still love camogie, and I'll definitely go back to it and play it more um, down the line. But but at the moment, I'm just kind of concentrating on the football, and watching from the sidelines a bit more. Just how does a pil- how does a Pilton girl? get into come out into soccer then um yeah it's interesting i guess um Pilltown is in south Kilkenny and we i like i played with the boys who were in the waterford league and stuff and my dad and my brother and my mom they were all really into soccer um my dad more so soccer than than hurling despite being a Kilkenny wow. man so 
Um, and then I was lucky enough in primary school to have a, a teacher, John Lonergan, who he brought me onto the boys' team when I was in third class and things like that. And he got me monster trials and, and all that sort of stuff. And I went to a really sporty um, secondary school in, in Carrick and Shore in Tipperary. So um, I just kind of got my foot in the door in, in primary school. Thankfully, got on like got monster trials for schools and things like that and just kept working at it, I guess. Um, there wasn't... The highlight of our, my soccer career with club in Piltown was community games and stuff. Well, that was great for us at the time, and we absolutely loved it. But, um, yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, very proud Kilkenny woman. And there's there's a few girls starting to come through. You see the likes of Bethany Carroll playing for Kilkenny as well. She's from, from Piltown, where I'm from as well. So, um it's it's a quiet, it's quiet enough in terms of footballing, but you come across... The odd gem, I like to think, down there as well. And, and if you want it enough, like, you'll, you'll go and play where you need to play. Obviously, when I got came to college and stuff, I had to move to a Dublin club in order to to kind of pursue my international career. Um, it would have been great if there were more teams around the country at that time. But obviously, I joined Piment and it all went from there. But, uh, yeah, proud to any woman at heart anyway. Do you ever get a chance to step into Crow Park and watch the men hurl? I do, yeah. No, I'd, I'd be a big fan as well. Like it, it's, it's probably the best spectator sport in the world, in my opinion. Now we had a bad weekend there against Wexford. I don't know you want to think about it too much. Don't talk about it. Um, we'll hopefully we'll sneak through the back door this year and and still do the business, still get to Crow Park. But I'm, I'm fingers and toes crossed there. It's not looking too good at the moment. But uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get a few days in Crow Park this year. Um, uh, it's, it's the first team that I was ask you who you support you support Kilkenny first and then you support your Man United or whoever after that so I'm um, hoping still for a few good days out but I think I might be uh, be uh, over ambitious at that one at the moment the way things are going it's great to hear the thoughts of Karen when I actually started planning this show it was the first time I realised that I'd never actually done an audio interview before I'd done a match preview here or there through email but it was the first time I'd actually done this with Karen and it's great to hear her thoughts on Ireland especially considering that they've kept five clean sheets in six games under Colin Bell and being a defensive midfielder it's quite important for her that they keep clean sheets personally watching her develop over the last couple of years I really think that if Karen wanted she could make the step up into WSL in the UK quite easily and probably get into a lot of teams up next I speak to Cork City Women's Manager Frank Callagher at this time I'm delighted to be joined by Cork City Women's FC Manager Frank Callagher Frank welcome to the programme thanks very much indeed Aaron delighted to talk to you this evening it's been quite an interesting season for your side to start off. You've picked up as many wins already this season as you had for the whole of last season. Yeah, we have indeed. We've had uh, a very good first uh, first few months of the season, really, Aaron, to be honest. Um, you know, it's been it's been a great start. Uh, we've, you know, developed the players in the club a lot. We've brought more players in, which has definitely strengthened the squad. And I think that the youth and experience, I think, is definitely made a big difference to us so far this year, for sure. You've probably pulled off some excellent signs. I know a lot of people talk about the signing of Claire Shine, who, mm. from what I know, Glasgow didn't want to let her go, but you've also managed to get Stacey Paul back, who must be like a brand new player for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Stacey was away for a year and um, has come back and uh, has been a great signing for us, a great addition because of her experience of playing in, in the Women's National League. And... Um, you know, she's, she was a top player, really, and we were delighted to get her to come back into the squad. And obviously, the signing of Claire Shine was a fantastic um, signing for us as well, for sure. 
your squad is really starting to mature now. We've seen when you first come, mm. in, come into the squad under Nyla Regan, to them when you took the managerial role, it's really developed quite a lot and you can see the developments every year that's happening and this is a side that's possibly only going to get even better as they keep going together. I would think so. I think the key with the trade is we talk about development in the squad and that's for sure. We have young players who you know, are now in their second, third season in the Women's National League. We also have established international players at under 17 and under 19 level. And obviously we have the experienced players who've been with the club since the very beginning as well. And I think that blend of players um, and that experience has, has made a difference this season, for sure. It's been fantastic to see your goalkeeper, Amanda Budden's form has been recognised. Yeah, I think Amanda came back, you know, after a long-term injury this season to us. And to be honest with, the, with you, she's been a revelation. You know, she's had some fantastic performances this year. I think she's um, very influential in the dressing room, very influential on the pitch with the team um, and the squad of players. And I, I'm delighted that she got a call-up from, from Colin Bell last week to the squad. I think it was well-deserved. For me, at this point in time, she is the best goalkeeper in the Women's National League. I don't think at the moment, on current form, I don't think many people could argue with that. In particular, her performances against the likes of Shelbourne. I heard she had a very good game against Wexford. Like she's just gone from strength to strength. She is for sure, and I think you know if you're going to compete in this league, one of the things that I had to learn very, very quickly is that you need to have a good goalkeeper, and you also need to have a very strong defence. And I think that's something that we've worked on this year. Amanda certainly has helped the whole squad. She's been part of the reason that we've been doing well this year. She's had some fantastic performances for sure. Yeah. It's fair to say last season the change from summer football to winter football was probably the most beneficial for your side because you, you learned quite a lot in them eight games. Yeah. It wasn't as much as there was wasn't as much pressure on you. You learned a lot from them. We learned an awful lot. I think you know the key for me was you know these we have a young side. These players are developing and learning the game. You know it was it was it was a situation where. If I'm honest with you, like the season taught us an awful lot in terms of what we needed to do um, game by game. Um, the staff's responsibilities, and I have some very good staff you know, involved in the club, you know, and the players learning their roles and their responsibilities individually and collectively. I think that short season really helped us to do that and set the groundwork for this season this year. What would have been the target you would have set aside at the start of this season? Had you any targets in particular? I guess we had some targets, you know, we wanted to, to, to do obviously better than last year. I would, have ex I would have hoped and we'd wait and see until the end of the season that we could get into the top four. Um, we also had ambition to get at least to a cup semi-final, if not a final, if that was possible. We've secured that getting to the League Cup semi-final now and we're looking forward to that in August. Um, so they were the sorts of targets that we set. We also set ourselves some targets as well in relation to what we needed to do defensively, which was to concede less goals this season than last year, and obviously score more goals than we did the previous season as well, and, and hopefully we'll achieve that as well. You talk about your defence, it's probably been one of your biggest assets, apart from scoring goals. Like the likes of having the likes of Katie, Katie McCormick, uh, Kieran McCormick and all, you've quite a solid defence there, with players who have a, bit, a good bit of experience as well. Absolutely, I think what we've tried to do, like, Claire McNamara has just won Women's National League Player of the Month for me and deservedly so. I think she's our club captain and has been a huge influence. But what we've also tried to do is to 
have a settled defence. In other words, to have the centre-backs playing together week in and week out, to have the same full-backs or make as few changes as possible in the back four. And I think we've, we've done that this year and that's been very beneficial to us for sure, yeah. Before yourself and Niall O'Regan came into this, came into Cork City Women, would you have ever thought that Cork football would have made such progress? Considering many players, they seem to opt to play for the the Cork in the Cork leagues rather than step into the national league. Whereas yourself and Niall and the likes of Eileen Ring have really broke the barriers in Cork, and all the players are now making the big step up. They are indeed, and I think like the key with it is that you know, I think if you look at if you look at the the local leagues and in terms of in terms of what we've tried to do with Cork City Women's Football Club, I think, you know, we haven't experienced any negativity this year. I think we've tried to change the philosophy of what the club is about. You know, we want to work together with the local leagues. You know, that's very important. I mean, a number of our players, Amanda and Saoirse, were at the awards night for the Schoolgirls League last week and we're presenting awards to players. So we're trying to build that relationship because I think it's very important. It's important, you know, that... It benefits the leagues locally, but it also benefits the women's national league team and provides a pathway for the best players to challenge themselves if they want to do that in the women's national league. I mean, as well, it's fantastic to see the local league, the Cork under 18s, win win the national cup a few weeks ago, and I think that's fantastic for the local league in terms of their comp- competitiveness, but ultimately. It's very good for the women's national league team in Cork as well that there are players coming through the local leagues that are, we would hope, some of them at some point will be at the level. So we have done a lot of work to try and build bridges, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I have a very good relationship with a lot of the teams in the local league, you know, and Eileen Ring has been a great help to us in establishing that as well, of course. Like you're talking about players attending awards, there was not even just attending awards. There's there's been many occasions on the Cork City Women's social media they have seen players gone out to blitz tournaments and things like that where they've just gone Absolutely. out for the day and got involved. Absolutely, and I think that's something that we wanted to try and do was to give something back. You know, a lot of the players who played with their football club have had, you know, have played with their local clubs. You know, and the local clubs have put a lot of hard work into the development of those players. And I think it's very important that us as a club go back into those clubs and into the community and give something back. That's very, very important as well. And so we, we ask our players to do this on a regular basis. I think it's very good. It's very good. Like you're talking about your players giving back on a regular basis. You, there was a picture recently of Saoirse Noonan where she'd given away one of her old Ireland jerseys in the captain's armband. And just seeing the young girl getting the, the picture of the young girl, she just seemed, couldn't be any happier. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you have the likes of Saoirse Noonan, you know, you know, she got Women's National League under 19 Player of the Year. She's, she's a rising star in the game. And I think she's a great girl in the sense that she goes out to her local club, Douglas Hall. She was presenting awards the other night. She goes and, gives her time to the younger kids and I think that's very important because she acts like a role model for them and maybe someday some of them will aspire to be like her and I think you know that's a really good thing I think that kid that day was absolutely delighted to get the shirt yeah for sure but just looking at things like that does that also help increase your fan base as well it does indeed because you know we would hope that you know if if, if our own players are, are going and working with the younger underage players in the local leagues that you know some of those kids would like to come out and watch our games and you know maybe we have a mascot system where we ask the local clubs in Cork to send their teams for the half time and we try and organise 
for them to meet some of the players after the game as well. So it just builds their fan base, and that's what we're trying to do, you know, is to try and boost women's sport, you know, in Cork. And, you know, it's very important that the young kids get an opportunity to come out and see, to see, to see our team play. You were speaking, though, earlier on about making a cup semi-final. You're in a cup semi-final with three Dublin clubs. We are. <laughs> yeah. You'll be, um, be hoping for a home draw, will you? Well, I think... <laughs> I wouldn't lie to you, and I would say, yeah, that would be an ideal situation so we could get a good home crowd. Um, I mean, you're play, you know, these teams are very good. Pimo, Chelsea, and UCD. We know how good they are. Um, we've had close games with them this season. You know, Pimo beat us 2-1 at home. We had a one-all with Chels. They got the better of us a few weeks ago, 4-2. We were beaten 1-0 up in Dublin by UCD. So we definitely closed the gap in those teams. So, yeah, I would certainly take a home draw and we would see what would happen on the day. I think cup football is a one-off game. Simple as that. It's, it's who, wants, to, it's who want, wants it most on the day, for sure. I remember talking to um, people out of UCD just after the UCD game and they said to me that UCD were quite lucky that... Cork didn't get out of Jackson Park with a point and then you look at the, the draw against Shelburne you really have closed the gap and the thing about it is your side are a lot younger a lot less experienced so when these girls get this little bit of experience you said top 4, top 3 could be the aim for, was sort of an aim this season that could easily be an aim for next season the season after you could be looking at even top 2 Well I think you know it's all about progressing and I think the key with it is that you know bringing the young players through having the experienced players around them, like people like Claire Shine in her dressing room, huge influence on the younger players because she's a pro- professional footballer and everything she does is very professional in her in her setup for game day and even in training. So I think, yeah, if we add a few more players in key positions and if we bring the young players through, who knows? The next couple of years will tell a lot. When you initially come into Cork, how long was the project set for? Did you just set up a specific time length or was it just take it season by season? No, I think we you have to have a strategy in the short, medium and the long term and I think our, our short term strategy was to try and get the best players playing with the club that we would have had in the local area in Cork and also we have players who come down from Limerick to play with us Megan Kelleher, Daniel Sheehy um, so that was the short term plan the medium term plan was to put a proper strategy in place and you know to get our philosophy of how we wanted our team to play and I think we've achieved that in the last probably the second half of last season the beginning of this season the long-term goal obviously would be to try and see can we win some titles I think it has to be in football you know you have to set your standards you have to have your strategy in place I mean the board has been very supportive on that I think the amalgamation with Cork City Football Club adds to that and I think those resources are available to us now. So, yeah, our long-term plan would be to be competing for titles. It has to be. You know, we've, we're pretty much the only representative at the moment in Munster. So, you know, it, it's, it's time that we started to achieve things in the game. You talk about the amalgamation with Cork City. That was one of the things that not a lot of people seen coming. But it's, it's, an, it's probably a vital thing to happen for the club, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's very vital. I mean, the resources that... You know that we get that we get access to from being part of obviously one of the biggest clubs in the League of Ireland. It's fantastic for us, you know. And you know, I know John Coffey quite well, and our board at Cork City Women's and the board at Cork City FC have been hugely supportive of this, you know. And I've done a lot of work behind the scenes to make this happen. 
And I think, you know, it's a great thing for this club going forward that we have, that we're, we're integrated with, with, in my view, one of the top teams in the League of Ireland. Well, on results at the moment, they certainly are. Does that give your side extra confidence seeing that Cork team doing well, considering they had a couple of seasons where they were chasing Dundalk and now Cork City men are top? Does that give the girls a lot of confidence? Because I know some of them go to the games as well. They do huge confidence. I mean, the girls attend a lot of the Cork City games. They would know some of the players because we would have done some events with the Cork City players as well, so they got to know some of the players as well. And um, I think it's fantastic you know, for them to see the quality of football that's been played at Turner's Cross week in and week out. I, you know, I go to a lot of the games myself. I think, you know, it's great to see our, our own local club and you doing so well. It's, it's the best supported club in the country. And I think for the girls to be part of that gives them a lot of confidence wearing the Cork City crest in their jersey. Again, that gives them a lot of confidence as well, you know. Would you say that it'd be possibly possible in the next, say, year or two that... Cork City women could possibly play some games in Turner's Cross? Yeah, I mean, I would hope that that may happen. You know, um, I, I haven't heard anything about it at the moment, but who knows what the future holds. You know, we play our games in Bishopstone. It's a very, very good stadium, and the facilities there are really, really good. Pitch is a fantastic surface. But maybe in the future, if we start to become more successful, then that would I think that would be a very good thing. Um I think, you know, it would it would raise the profile of the team even more. Let's hope that will happen in the future. A lot of people don't realise now, especially considering she's been out of the country quite a couple of years with Glasgow and now Houston Dash, but Denise O'Sullivan was another key player to the start of Cork City Women. Like, you have a lot of players that you could really market off to show that the club has developed some excellent players. Isn't good news? Yeah, I think, you know, I have... I, I have never actually coached Denise as a footballer, but she, when she's home from Houston, where she now is playing her, her professional, uh, her profession, has a professional career, she come out to training and actually train with the, with the girls. And she's come out a couple of times since I've been there, and it's just great to, to talk to her. And, you know, the other girls, you know, jo when she's joining with training, it's fantastic. And she's been a great ambassador for the club, you know, and as well as that Claire Shine as well, of course. Um, has gone on to play with Glasgow and is now back with us and she's a great ambassador for the club as well and uh, yeah we've produced some good players for sure He's kept the, the signing of Claire Shine quite uh, very quiet not a lot of people knew about it up until possibly the day before the first game of the season Yes I, I think you know that was that was I suppose part of the process where we were speaking to Claire before that for a few weeks and we wanted to make sure that you know, she asked us lots of questions about the structure of the club and what was in place and where we were going and what our ambition was. And, you know, so we kept it under wraps before the start of the season because, you know, she's, she's one of the top players in the game. She's won titles at women's national league level and at professional level. So we wanted to make sure that for Claire, the club fitted what her ambition was, you know, in terms of coming back and playing with, 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 with her, with Cork City. And obviously, you know, that we matched our expectations in terms of the training that we could provide for her and the support around, you know, the fitness and all the other aspects. She wanted to know that information and it was important that, you know, we, we had that, that conversation with her as well. But it was great to get her signed and absolutely. It's fair to say, though, she could have walked into any women's national league team if she wanted. Oh, for sure. I think Claire is a, is a, a tremendous talent, you know. 
She's got such great character, really, and she has huge experience because she's won titles. I think she would start in any first eleven in the women's national league. It's her leadership qualities that we see, sort of, you know, week after week, really, in the dressing room, even talking to the young players, you know. And let's face it, this 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 season, her goal scoring has has continued. Really, she's averaging one to two goals per game for us. For me, she's a game changer. She just occupies the opposition defence. Um, so often during the games and that allows other players a lot more time and space as well um, but she is she's a, she's a, a great player yeah she's really st- sparked up a, a fantastic partnership with Saoirse Noonan I think they're both Douglas Hall players if I'm right they are they're both ex-Douglas Hall players and you know Saoirse would have been a young kid watching Claire Shine you know play at the highest level and would have probably looked up to her as a role model and I think it's fantastic that both of them are playing together in the same team and they have this unique chemistry and they obviously, they know each other's movements now because they play together as two, you know, for the, for, for most of the season they have this, this unique chemistry between them, their positional play, their movements, playing off each other, they're, you know, it's, it's really working for us, it really is. Looking forward ahead to the second half of the season, unfortunately your side actually have an extra week off. I was only looking at the fixtures earlier, I didn't realise that. But you've actually got the same amount of wins that you've got last season, so now it's just pushing on, is it? It is, it is. I'd be perfectly honest with you. Like I'm happy overall with the, with the start of the season, if I'm honest. We should have probably had better results against Timo and QCD in the second game in Shelburne, but these things happen and you keep learning. We're going to add some more players in the close season and the transfer season we've one or two more players that we're hoping to bring in to strengthen the squad further so we're optimistic that we push on further I mean we set standards for this club now and you know that's expected by all the players now so it would be good to get to a cup final and obviously to compete in the league until the very end that has to be our ambition now it has to be I can't let you go without talking about you have an upcoming fundraising event that the club are looking to get publicity about we are, thanks, thanks for that Aaron, yeah, we have um, a great fundraising event actually, we're very lucky on the on Wednesday uh, the 28th of June, we have a big event down in the Road to Stone Park Hotel to raise some funds for the club, we have John Giles, it's an audience with John Giles, everybody knows John Giles, we're delighted that he gave up his time to come down um, and, and take some questions, and um, we also have Alan Brown who's just made his um, senior international uh, debut for Ireland a couple of weeks ago. Alan comes from a very famous club in Cochrane Man Rangers and I would have coached Alan many years ago when I was um, head of the Cork Youths League team that won the, the All-Ireland. So I know Alan from those days and we're delighted that he's giving up his time as well to support that event. So we're asking for the public to come down and support us, you know, to get some funds in for it to to keep us going through for the rest of the season so that's that's on on Wednesday uh, the 28th of June 8pm down in the Rochestone Park Hotel so hopefully we get good numbers to that and just if people want to get tickets or is it pay on the door or how do you get the tickets for the event yeah they can yeah they can come on the night and we'll have tickets on the door or they can send they can send um, an email um, we'd be sending out on our Facebook page the email address so they can they can look up Twitter or Facebook and they'll be able to get details of how to get tickets. They'll also be on sale in the Cork City shop and the Dublin shopping centre. 
Um, we're selling tickets on the night. Um, Cork City are at home to Limerick on the sixth Friday, the sixteenth of June. So we'll have a ticket stand there. So we're hoping to get to get a good numbers at the gig. Yeah. Frank, thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you later on the season. Thanks very much, Aaron, and take care. Seeing how far Cork have come in the last couple of years, it's actually quite amazing, especially considering the divide that was in the county between the likes of Wilden and Douglas Hall, having the likes of Eileen Ring, Nyla Regan there before Frank, was actually excellent to see how much they put Cork football on the map, and getting a player like Claire Sean during the off-season, it was a huge statement of intent, and I still believe that this, this day she's probably one of the best forwards in the country. Unfortunately folks, that's all we have time for today, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode.